Hey everyone, welcome to another Devo with Jamie and Patrick. Uh, Patrick, I, I think I might be wrong, but I think this is our 70th Devo we've done. <laughs> 70 is 70 se- 70 yeah think about this we That's started crazy. our first one march 15th is when wow. it came out wow march 15th and, and this one's coming on november 29th yeah and we've been doing what two of these uh, two of these a week since then so i think we yeah we took a month off it's a lot in august for some reason unintentional yeah it's a lot so there we go well, Divas. what passage are we in today, Patrick? We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 through 9. First Sunday of Advent, super exciting, but also the Sunday after Thanksgiving. We didn't really touch very much on Thanksgiving last Sunday, so we're going to talk about Thanksgiving a little bit this Sunday. Okay. And that's also kind of like an overarching theme for our uh, student video worship video that we put out every Sunday as well. So we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Uh, the title of this passage in first Corinthians chapter one is also Thanksgiving. Uh, so Jamie, uh, you can go ahead and read cause I read on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, Sounds like a plan. Verses three through nine. Here we go. Grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wow. I do feel like we have discussed this passage in the past. Uh, there's some parts of it that stand out to me. I also believe that, and I'm not positive on this one. So if I'm wrong, to I'm sorry to our listeners, but I believe that this is the passage that was preached at, at my wedding. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm not positive though, but I'd have to look. Well, so last time we did talk about the beginning, kind of the introductory introductory comments in the book of Ephesians, which sounds a lot like this. Some of the language is the same. Oh, okay. Then that's probably what I am. Uh, that may uh, be why you're like, this sounds really familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Same it's author. very, yeah, it's very familiar to the Ephesians passage. Um, yeah. and there's some similar greetings that Paul gives when he writes letters. And so this is kind of one of those like similar greetings and some of it is very, very similar in what he's saying. Um, where do you want to start right at the beginning? Yeah, we started at verse three. So let's just check that out. Verse three is basically just an introduction. Grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When the church I grew up at, they would always start out worship services this way. So people are talking, Hmm. lingering, talking to each other. And then the pastor would get up there and say, grace and peace to you from God, our father, or he'd only just say grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then boom, right into some music. Oh, okay. 
So that's how every, it always started. Some churches have a habit of doing called the passing of the peace. Have you heard of that? Oh, that's, is that where you say like, peace be with you to everyone? You say peace be with you. And then everyone starts saying peace be with you. And they like shake hands and, (laughs) and you kind of walk around and say, peace be with you to everyone in the church. And if you don't know it and you've never seen it, you might feel like you're doing some weird ritual. Um, yeah. Or you're doing some kind of like a crazy, you know, cultish routine. Um, but if you think about what you're actually doing when you say that, it's kind of cool. Like in a church and typically like think of like a small town church, you have people from all sorts of different walks of life. There's poor people, there's rich people, there's successful people. There's people who have little to no success at all. There are people who are enemies who are sitting in the same church. There's family members who are estranged from each other who might still be in the same church. And so when you go and you say, Hey, peace of Christ be with you or you're, you're giving peace to someone else, there's like a cool healing element in that. It's like yeah. a good reminder of who we are and who God is. Right. I I went to, funny you say small, like town church. I've been to a church in the middle, in some little town in the Midwest. And on Sunday morning, the pastor was up there and he would say, now let's just extend the peace of Christ to all of our neighbor brothers and sisters. And that was kind of the invitation to shake hands with people, say yeah. peace be with you. And the pastor, every single Sunday made it a point that he went and shook everyone's hand. Now Whoa. we're talking like 60 to hundred people okay. max. Like that's a hundred people is like a, a booming Sunday kind right. of a thing. That's a lot but, of work getting around to everyone. Oh, and this time would be like 10 minutes. It's like it was a, a social hour in the middle of a service and it was cool. The pastor needed to go and extend the peace of Christ to everyone. Yeah. That's yeah. Like really wow. neat. That, that, yeah. I've never heard of that before. That's good though. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you know, people are lingering and the pastors in the back row, just kind of making, making the coming around the horn of the, the seats on the way back up. The other thing I like about this is Paul starts this out and these are the two, you know, words he uses grace and peace. And I'm thinking about it, man, that is a pretty cool, uh, you know, one, two punch of what yeah. you would want from God. You know, right. what yeah. do I want from God, man, grace and peace. Those are two slam dunk things. I will take those all the time. Give me grace. Yeah. Give me peace. Yeah. And even in verse four, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. We're talking about grace again. Yes. Uh, Paul is, uh, uh, loves to pray for people. <laughs> And think about people and give praise for people. Yeah, he really does. Um, And it's kind of like pretty flowery language. And you know what's crazy is this is a letter to an entire church. It's like a whole city of Christian believers, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when he's saying this, he's thinking about them as a whole. Right. uh, And what God is doing in them. And that's kind of cool too. You know, like, I don't know if our church has ever gotten like a letter from someone and say that has said, Hey, you know, Christians in this city, um, you know, here, like, thank you for everything you've done as a group or you're doing a great job. Keep going. Um, Usually people write letters to individuals, but this is a letter that's going to the whole big group. And it's cool that how much he uses God's name and Christ Jesus. I don't know if I know of a section that has Christ Jesus and God mentioned more than these 
several verses. Right. And what's what I like about it, and, and this goes into verse five, is Paul isn't just saying that kind of greeting as a blanket greeting or something as like an apostle. He feels like he has to say, he doesn't feel obligated. He gives specific uh, ways that God has blessed these people for in him, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. So that shows that Paul has an intimate understanding of who this people group are, uh, what they're about. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, yes. And he's also telling them that they're rich and I love that. Um, not rich in money, but he's right in every way. Um, you know, the speech piece, you can kind of guess of maybe what that, what that means. Um, and the knowledge piece, you know, the knowledge of God, this understanding of God that they have, um, the speech could have even been the spiritual gift of tongues, which is something that we don't usually talk about a bunch, but, um, Paul talks about it later in first Corinthians. He talks about spiritual gifts. Um, yeah. And he's going to talk about it later in the couple verses later, right? Verse six, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Um, you know, when people are enriched in every way with speech and knowledge, uh, what Paul is saying here is that God is confirming um, what he's done in them. He's confirming our testimony about Christ among you, meaning, meaning Paul's testimony to others about what God is doing in that church is confirmed because of the speech and the knowledge that they have. Yeah. Um, and he continues verse seven, right? Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a, uh... I, I lack spiritual gifts, I feel like. Yeah, right? But, and that's that's part of the reality of spiritual gifts is, you know, unless you're like one of these apostles or like super apostles like Paul or someone who seems to have a good understanding of every, you know, God works through them in like every single way possible, it seems like, right? Um, really, most people kind of have some spiritual gifts that kind of rise up and and during seasons and times of history, it seems like some of those gifts happen more often and sometimes they don't. But this church during this season, during this time that they have all of the spiritual gifts, pretty much, at least according to Paul, who kind of literally wrote the book on spiritual gifts, all of the spiritual gifts are being seen in them. How cool is that? Yeah, super cool. And uh uh, really that just kind of shows that one, like I said, Paul knows these people well, but that also they are extremely faithful Yeah, and what Paul is saying about them is totally true. Yeah. Now, you know, if you read, like if you read on in the book of first Corinthians, the church isn't perfect. Yeah. Uh, they're doing some bad stuff. <laughs> like, right. And some of it's really bad stuff actually. Um, uh, but but all that to say, God is is working in them. God is moving in them. Because the thing about spiritual gifts is it's not really about like, you know, how holy and perfect we are that God would give us spiritual gifts. It's like God is working through us and it's all God's power being displayed, um, which is so cool. And and Paul is so grateful for these people, yeah. um, you know, kind of even with all of their, their mistakes or whatever. Um, and it's cool that they don't lack any of the spiritual gifts and they're, but, but the spiritual gifts isn't the goal, right? Cause it says, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. 
So they have knowledge, they have speech, they have all the spiritual gifts, but they're still waiting. There's still more. And that is the waiting for Jesus Christ to be revealed, the second coming of Christ. Um, yeah. And that's something that we, you know, we are uh, waiting for as a church. We're waiting for Christ to come back. We're waiting for the return of our Savior. Yeah. Um, but at a lot of points in our history and at our time, we've waited. And, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Patrick, but around the year 2000, you may not Ooh. remember it that much because you were, how old were you? Seven. Seven, yeah. Uh, when it went from 1999 to 2000, people started getting wacky. Yeah. <laughs> they thought that the world the world was going to end. Yeah. They're like, and there was this thing called Y2K. And they yeah. thought that, you know, computers control everything. And all the computers, there's a little glitch in some of the code. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, when it turned the clocks to the year 2000, it wouldn't know what to do. And people, I mean, I'm, I'm not even making this up. People were telling, were telling each other, Christians were telling each other that we think you should stockpile food. Yeah. You should stockpile um, ammunition and guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, that's the Christian thing to do. Uh, <laughs> get as many guns as you can have and uh and then um you should get all that stuff together and and you should wait because you know this is probably going to be the second coming of christ but you need to be prepared because this glitch i even remember them saying on the radio that you better watch out because the toilets are going to start to flush backwards well now by that what i mean (laughs) is someone came up with this crazy theory that uh if the computers that were managing like some of the water and sewer systems like got messed up, you would, you, your toilets would explode basically. Wow. The sewage would come backwards on you. And I mean, this is how crazy, well, do you know what happened in Y2K? Do you remember? Nothing. Just came and went. Exactly. Guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. (laughs) Right. Um, so, you know, I, and people are always saying like, Jesus is coming and it's going to happen like right now. And, um, what the Bible tells us about that is like, we should be prepared spiritually for yeah. Jesus to be here right now, yeah. this minute. Um, but at the same time, Paul in, in the, in the scriptures does, does tell us like, Hey, like even in Ephesians, like you need to keep working with your hands. Like, don't quit your job and say, God's going to be here right now. Um, like keep going forward. Cause we don't know. And Jesus even said, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the son, just the father knows when that's going to happen. Right. So the idea is be prepared. Like Christ is going to come back at any point from a spiritual standpoint, but uh, don't stop uh, moving forward. Don't just be you know frozen in fear about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's he, what's he, happening in the church here in first Corinthians, right? God is working and moving and all this stuff is happening. Um, but that's not the fullness. The full, the full part of it is like, is this expectation that Jesus is going to come back. Yeah. And even in verse eight, he's still addressing that yes. by saying he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. How what cool are, is that, man? <laughs> yeah. To have someone like pray that for you. He's going <laughs> to keep you blameless. How is he going to keep you blameless? And here's, this is a hard thing for us Christians to understand. I think is when Jesus died for our sins, he did it past, present and future. 
It was an yeah. all-encompassing sacrifice. It wasn't something that just was like a one-time get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, it wasn't something that was, um, you know, just for that. It was something that was for all time. And right. so God's forgiveness, when, when we accept Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, uh, when we have that faith in Christ, um, He is going to hold us blameless, not because we're blameless, not because our actions prove that we're blameless, but because Christ was blameless on our behalf. And so it's so cool that our salvation is something that extends into um, this word sanctification, which means like we're continuing to work for Christ. We're yeah. continuing to live lives of faith. Right. So, and this is where it gets kind of confusing. So, so some people are like, oh, cool, I can do whatever I want. Um, and that's not it. Because that's not a life of grace. That's not a life of faith. That's a life of selfishness. And I would say if that's kind of like where you're at, if you're like, oh yeah, I accepted Jesus as a kid, but I'm going to party hard and I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to be a jerk and I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, and then at the end, God is going to say like, oh, okay, great. You know, you're blameless. Yeah. Um, that's no way to live. To me, I would even say, I'm not sure you understand faith. I'm not sure you understand grace. Um. God's sacrifice for us was so incredible and so amazing that it really kind of like puts you in a spot where you want to live for God. Like you, you don't even, you know, your desires start to change. I don't know if that was part of your story at all, Pat, but when God kind of grabbed a hold of me and when I started to really understand how much God loved me and how much God um, gave up for me and how much God wants to be with me, my desire, even my desire to do bad things started to change. And it's like, you know, doing selfish things uh, began to not really even be fun anymore. Yeah. Um, now, I don't want to say that to say, oh yeah, you know, sin isn't fun because sin's fun. Uh, there's like kind of no two ways about it, <laughs> right? Yeah. If it wasn't fun, uh, no one would do it. Right. Um, you know, but sometimes when we go and kind of do our own thing and sin, there's an advantage. Like it might feel good for a moment, but that's not what God wants for us. And yeah. it's cool here that, that in this verse in first Corinthians, you know, Paul's writing this letter to kind of warn the brothers and sisters uh, in Corinth about sin and about, Hey, don't do this. It's a mistake. Yeah. Um, and here's some instruction on how to live. And, but he's also saying like, you don't want to be stressed out. You don't want to be running away from making mistakes. Uh, that's no way to live. That's no life to live. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and it wraps up verse nine. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Lord. Yes. And what that a is so simple sentence. Right. And what a great one. God is faithful, man. Yeah. Yeah. God is faithful. He's called us He's, into fellowship. There you go. He, he has called you. Yeah. And if you look at this verse, how many times does it say Jesus Christ or God? Um, it's like just like chock full of Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you ever hang out with people who talk about Jesus all the time, uh, it can be kind of like life-giving. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Um, at some point you're like, Oh man, here he goes. He's talking about Jesus again. Watch out. Uh, but <laughs> for me, <laughs> when I'm around people who want to talk about, like genuinely want to talk about Jesus and they really mean it, they're not like faking it. Uh, it's life giving. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'm not sure if I talked to you, Patrick, I could even create sentences where I said, Jesus Christ, as much as Paul does here. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could either. <laughs> I think he, he has a special gift about him that he can incorporate that so much. And it's, yeah. it's really his life is centered around Christ Jesus. Yeah. And it comes out in his writings, especially this one. So I guess a word for us is uh, if, if you have given your life to the Lord, um, if you're a follower of Christ, just know you've been enriched in every way yeah. and know that God's going to hold you firm to the end so that you'll be blameless on that day when Christ comes again. Yep, that's right. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Amen. Amen.